Thank you for listening to the Sunday School Teaching Ministry of Pastor Luke Pollock at the Home Church of Lodi, California. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. Our prayer is that this message from God's Word will renew your heart and mind today. Amen. All right, well, Romans. God's power to transform anyone. And today we're going to be in Romans chapter 2. You can be heading there. But uh, have you ever noticed <clears throat> our ability, man's ability, your ability, my ability, to clearly see the problem in others, but be blind to my own issues? <laughs> yeah, exactly. This happens in families all the time. Not mine, of course. <laughs> uh, one, one son comes crying because his brother pushed him off the bike. Uh, and, you know, then as a parent, the, the blood starts boiling, and, man, you're going to get that, that kid. But then the next son comes in and gives the rest of the story. Uh, he's hobbling from a broken leg. You know, <laughs> I pushed him because he was trying to run me over with the bike. Okay, now the, now the whole story comes out. B- but we adults are much more mature and much better than that. And uh, we sit around and we bash the politicians for lying and cheating. And then we go to work and we lie to make an extra buck. We cheat on our taxes. But that's different. <laughs> that's different. Uh, what they do is bad. What I do is different. Listen to this poem. You can fool the hapless public. You can be a subtle fraud. You can hide your little meanness, but you can't fool God. You can advertise your virtues. You you can self-achievement laud. You can load yourself with riches, but you can't fool God. You can criticize the Bible. You can be a selfish clod. You can lie, swear, drink, and gamble, but you can't fool God. You can magnify your talent, you can hear the world applaud, you can boast yourself somebody, but you cannot fool God. When you boil down Romans chapter 2, that's the theme, I think. You can't fool God. Now Paul revealed, in Romans chapter 1, Paul revealed the vile, wicked sin of mankind in our society, in our culture. Like we said, we read last week, it really is almost like reading a newspaper from today, talking about the sins of mankind there in Rome and just in the hearts of men and women. And we, we looked at that and we looked at the bad news because that's really what Paul and what God is trying to get across here in these first few chapters of Romans, the bad, bad, very bad news. And the bad news is that God's wrath is on mankind for ignoring their creator, worshiping themselves, consuming all their passions and giving themselves to anything they want, running headlong into vile wickedness and just getting worse and worse and then destroying one another, hurting each other, ruining what God has made. But Paul wanted them to see the bad news. They needed to see the bad news. He had to deliver the bad news. Why? So they could understand how good the good news actually is. 
before you can understand the gospel, before you can see how good it is, you have to see where you are and where I am under God. And as we read Romans chapter one and looked through that last week, we were all saying, amen, Paul, amen, Paul, go get them. Go get that sin. (laughs) Go get that sin, those sinners. But now in Romans two, Paul turns from talking about the wicked people out there and he turns to the law-abiding citizens in here who thought that they were good people. But these folks needed to see the bad news about themselves too. Because listen this morning, everyone, 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 everyone needs the saving message of the gospel. No one is good enough to escape God's wrath on their own. The sweetest, most precious grandma in here is a sinner. (laughs) The guy up here wearing a suit and teaching is a sinner in need of a savior. Today we're gonna see that God will judge according to truth, according to our deeds, and according to the gospel. You may not like me after today, okay? (laughs) But I'm just gonna ask you, I'm just gonna tell you one thing, take it up with God, all right? This is the Bible. Let's look at God's word. Romans chapter two, look at what Paul says. Therefore, and remember, every time you see a therefore, you gotta look before. So he, therefore, what does he say before? And he was talking about all the sins that mankind is into. And he says, therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Notice that Paul now is talking to thou and not they anymore. In fact, it is very interesting. In Romans chapter one, we don't have time to look at all the verses, but Paul used a lot of third person plural pronouns. They, them, a lot of that. They are like this, they are like this, they are like this. But now Paul turns his bony finger to the congregation that it was just saying, amen, amen, Paul. And when I read this, I really can kind of in my mind's eye see the church service, you know. Uh, folks, uh, pa- we just got a letter in from Paul. And I'm gonna read this letter from Paul to you, to our church here today. So I'm excited to read this here in Rome, and so everybody listen. And Thou art inexcusable, O man that judges. You're doing the same things. Paul was talking to the elbow bumpers, the self-righteous, the the finger pointers. Adrian Rogers said, it's like the guy in his southern way, it's like the guy who went to the doctor with scrambled eggs on his head and bacon over his ears and said, Doc, I'm here to talk to you about my brother. (laughs) Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou judge, that judges doest the same things. Now, <clears throat> let's remember the Jew-Gentile undercurrent here that's going on in Rome and in the church back then. So a lot of this, what Paul is about to say, is really directed at this Jewish first, Jesus second mindset that a lot of the Jews had, the former Jews or the ones that were coming in or Jews themselves who hadn't accepted Christ were sitting in the congregation listening but they still thought in their mind, I'm a Jew first, Jew first, Jesus second. And most Jews had a tendency to think that they were fine because we're God's chosen people. 
And they thought that they would get to heaven by obedience to the law of God. And the word for that in theology would be legalist. You think that there's some legal way, some lawful way, if I just obey the law enough, I'm going to get to heaven. But I think Paul here, and he's going to get to that eventually, the whole Jewish issue in, this, in chapter 3. But here at the beginning, I think he doesn't mention the Jews because there's also another group that's in there and that needed to hear this. And that is the holier-than-thou Gentiles. The, the term for that in theology would be, would be the moralist. So you've got the legalist and then you've got the moralist. Even though these moralists, these weren't Jews, and they didn't grow up learning about the law of God, they grew up in Gentile homes, but they just thought that we had to be good people, and we are better people. We're more moral than the next guy. And, that they, and they figured that they would earn heaven by doing good works, doing good things. So this really, what Paul's saying here, really goes for anyone who, as you see in verse one, who puts himself or herself in a righteous category, because I'm a good person, and everyone else is in an unrighteous category, and I'm looking down on other people, and I'm pointing my finger at them, I'm elbow bumping them. When he talks about sin, I hope everybody else is listening. Notice Paul is saying, you are doing the same things. They were hypocrites. So really, we're talking about hypocrites here. Calling out sin in others while you're doing the exact same things. Now the people say, hey, Paul, I beg to differ with you. But remember, they may say, I am not a uh, I am not a sinner. I'm not doing the same things as those people out there that you were talking about. But remember, Jesus said, you can commit murder in your heart through anger. You can commit adultery in your heart through lust. So don't say, I'm not doing the same things. We, we all do the same things. And as soon as you judge someone, as he says here, for those sins you might as well open your mouth and enter foot because you have just condemned yourself. Paul is making no friends here and he's turning up the heat on the hypocrites. But he has a very, very good reason to do this and I hope everybody gets the purpose for this. And as we go through it, it, it might seem harsh, but we have to get to the place where we rip off and tear down anything that we're holding on to that we think is gonna get us to heaven. Anything that we think that just by my goodness, I'm some special person. He, we have to come to the place where we bow our knee and say, Lord Jesus, it is only you. It, oh, you are the only reason that I could be saved. And I want to just say this as a way of application for our church. One thing that church people need to be very careful about is hypocrisy. We do. It's very easy when we're all trying to do the right thing and stand for morality in this dark world, and it is, and that's what we are trying to do. And I'm, I'm the first one to say, let's live righteously, and let's condemn sin. We, we need to. But we start to look at others, the dangerous part, is we start to look at others who aren't reaching the bar that we have set, and we think we're better than them, as if we're the judge. If we're not careful, we can begin thinking that simply because, listen, simply because we agree with Romans chapter 1, we're good with God. Yeah, I agree with Romans 1, absolutely, all that bad stuff, oh, wicked world, wicked world, and we're okay with God. I'm afraid that some people might even latch on to this good morality and, and say, that's my salvation, uh, and that's a moralist. That's a danger, and we cannot let it be. We need to take God's word to heart here. So here we go. Let, verse 2. 
Here's what Paul continues. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth, according to truth. There's three things here we're gonna see in this passage, according to truth, according to deeds, and according to the gospel, kind of a natural outline there, and at the very end, we'll fill that in. We are sure, he says, that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things. Verse three, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, and doest the same, that thou shalt escape the judgment of God? You know, while God, while God is judging people, do you actually think he doesn't see your sin? God's judgment is a judgment according to truth. It's 100% accurate. You, you may be able to fool some of the people all of the time, and all of the people some of the time. But you can't fool God at any time. You can't fool God. As good, you know, I was thinking about this in relation to our U.S. justice system, and as good as our justice system is here in the United States in comparison to the rest of the world, there are still very many human errors. They try to have good checks and balances, but they are human, and the right judgment is not always made. Innocent people are sometimes punished, and guilty people often go free. But God will judge according to the truth. He never gets it wrong, ever. Why? Because there's nothing hidden from God. 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Luke 12, 2, For there is nothing covered, Jesus said, that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. God knows the absolute truth of who we are. We can't ever think that we're hiding anything from God. Listen this morning. If you're living a life of sin and you've never trusted in Jesus as Savior, then judgment day is coming. Judgment day is coming. And listen, if you're saved and living a life of sin, then God sees that too. And you may not be going to hell, but listen, God cannot bless you in the way he wants to bless you. And you will face the consequences. Uh, You know, a lot of the reason that man continues in a hypocritical life, the reason we might be a hypocrite and we just keep going and going, is that we haven't been judged yet. (laughs) God hasn't done anything to me yet. Everything's going fine and in fact it feels like God's actually blessing me. Things are really, really good. Let's look at verse 4. Paul addresses this. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? You know, hypocrites have an amazing ability to think that God's goodness equals God's approval. If God thought I was a bad person, then why am I so well off? Paul answers this question right here. The only reason God hasn't wiped you out and left a little greasy spot where you were standing, as uh, Dave Ramsey likes to say, the only reason he hasn't wiped you out is because of his goodness his forbearance, 
and his long suffering. In other words, he is giving you opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to repent. He's being so kind and he's being so good when he doesn't have to be. And he's, he's waiting for you. You see, God's putting up with you in spite and putting up with us in spite of our sin so that we will see how bad that we've treated him and drop to our knees in repentance. But the hypocrite has totally missed that message. And he's despising, as it says, the riches of God. And did you know that Sodom and Gomorrah, when God rained down judgment on them, did you know they were at an all-time financial high point? The Bible talks about their success in finances and, and, uh, and luxuries. They were, they were living the life. People were wealthy. Farms were doing great. Life was easy in Sodom. And then suddenly, judgment came. See, God will only go so long before he has to act. We cannot despise his riches and forbearance and his goodness. But after thy hardness and impenitent, verse five, but after thy hardness and impenitent or unrepentant heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. See, the longer the moralist, the legalist, and the hypocrite goes, he's, putting, he's just putting wrath in the bank for later. He's treasuring up wrath against the day of wrath. And the day of reckoning of those accounts is coming. And when that day comes, here's what God's going to do, verse six, who will render to every man according to his deeds. Notice that God's righteous judgment isn't according to, or his righteous judgment is according to our deeds. God watches what we do, what we say, what we think, every one of our deeds. You see, we tend to think that, um, that there are big bad deeds that need to be judged, but my little bad deeds don't matter that much. <laughs> I just have little bad deeds, and they aren't that big of a deal. And we kind of sometimes put people in categories. You know, we have, the, we have the Hitler on the one side, the absolute most heinous, weird, horrible person. You got Mother Teresa over here on the other side. I mean, she is the, she's a verb, you know. Are you a Mother Teresa? And then you got kind of everybody else that kind of fits somewhere in the middle. I see, you know, they do bad stuff, but, you know, God, God grades, grades on a curve. Everything's fine. Uh, <laughs> my little bad deeds. There was a rather uh, pompous looking deacon and he was teaching a little kid's uh, boy's Sunday school class and he was talking about the importance of living the Christian life and he said, boys, why do people call me a Christian? And after a moment's pause, one little boy said, maybe because it's they don't know you. <laughs> 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 uh, <yeah>. God, <laughs> God knows. <laughs> God knows every one of our deeds. Now a quick time out here. <clears throat> when I start talking about deeds and start talking about works, this makes a Christian nervous. Uh, because, you know, we know the deeds don't get us into heaven, works don't get us into heaven. But let me just say something. The Bible is very clear that our deeds do matter, even in eternity. In fact, our good deeds the good deeds that we do will be laid out before God. 
and he will render to each one based on what he did. 1 Corinthians 3, 13, every man's work, Paul is talking to Christians here, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. This is a Christian's day of judgment on deeds. See, Jesus himself even told several uh, parables about uh, talents, what we do with the time God has given us, the talents, the the money God gives us, and how God will reward us in in the kingdom. So a person who has accepted Jesus Christ as Savior will face a certain type of judgment based on what they're doing. But remember this very clearly, that the penalty for all of our sinful deeds as believers was taken care of at the cross. So this is not an eternal punishment for sins that I'm talking about with Christians. It is a time of rewards or loss of rewards based on our deeds. That's the judgment seat of Christ the Bible talks about. But there's another judgment that happens. And it's for the unbeliever. And this is another judgment on deeds. And God will take into account every single deed. It's just called the great white throne judgment. And even unsaved, good people who thought their bad deeds weren't that bad, all of their evil deeds will get their just consequence and their just reward. The vile sinners out there and the moralist and legalist who think they're okay without accepting Christ, will have all sinful deeds judged on that day. The only thing that saves a person from this judgment is accepting the free gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. That's it. And this is why it's called good news. This is the only news that matters. This is the only thing that gets a person uh, in a right standing with God. So with that backdrop, It's going to help us understand now these next verses as we look at the judgment of deeds. But God will take into account every deed. They are very important to God. Verse 7, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. So here's here's the thing about this verse. It almost looks like those who have patient continuance and well-doing will get eternal life. That's their reward. So is Paul saying now that all of a sudden that works are going to give us eternal life? If we keep doing the right thing, we're going to have eternal life? No, that's not what Paul is saying. In fact, the whole theme of the book of Romans is opposite of that, not to mention the rest of the Bible. In fact, look at the very next chapter, Romans chapter 3 and verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So Paul, right here in chapter 2, is not going to contradict what he's about to say a few paragraphs later. Romans chapter 2, verse 7, what we're looking at is just a way in the Bible to describe a saved person. But he's describing a saved person who knows Christ, who's accepted the gift of eternal life, by their deeds, which is in keeping with the theme of this portion of Scripture. So for example, today we sometimes might call a, a saved person We say uh, he or she is walking with the Lord. That's a person who's walking with the Lord. Or even the name Christian, follower of Christ or little Christ. It's a similar idea. 
We're aren't, we aren't saying because they walk with the Lord and you know, they live a good life and a clean life that they are going to heaven. What we're saying is because they are saved, therefore they are walking with the Lord. And that is the one proof that they are going to heaven. So in keeping with that, Paul continues, verse eight, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. So this is a description of an unsaved person, the person who wants nothing to do with the gospel or Jesus, but I'm just gonna do it my way. But the Jew might interrupt here and say, Paul, this is a nice little thought you have going here, but you forget something. I am of the seed of Abraham. I am a Jew. And everyone knows that we are God's people. So this little thing you're talking about here seems rather harsh. You telling us that we're under God's wrath and we're being contentious and we aren't obeying the truth of the gospel and we're obeying unrighteousness. Come on now. In fact, there was a common tradition back then that Abraham, this is a Jewish tradition, Abraham himself sits at the gate of hell to keep all the Jews out, regardless of their deeds. Trypho, the Jew, is alleged to have said, they who are of the seed of Abraham according to the flesh shall in any case, even if they be sinners and unbelieving and disobedient towards God, share in the eternal kingdom. But this is Paul's exact point. That's what he's trying to help everybody understand. Remember, there's people who came from the Jewish background in the church. There's Gentiles here. And Paul is saying, I don't care about your ancestry. The wrath of God is upon Jew, is upon the Gentile, and it's in the same way. You will be judged by your deeds that you did before God. And all God wants to know is, did you do what God told you to do, starting with putting your trust in Jesus Christ? In fact, if anything, the Jew gets a greater punishment because he's been given so many more blessings from God to begin with. Verse nine, look at this. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons with God. God isn't interested today in your race, your place, or your face. He is not interested. There is no respect of persons with God. When judgment day comes, the only thing that matters is not whether you're rich or poor, or if, you, is, it is if you've trusted in the only person who can save you, and that is Jesus Christ. And all of us here at the home church need to remember this. We're not going to heaven because we look at Romans chapter one and say, amen, preach it, Paul. We're not more welcome with God because we come to every service at the home church. We're not special because we hate the liberal woke agenda. American patriots don't get a special license right into heaven. That's not how this works. Paul explains, verse 12, for as many as have sinned without the law shall also perish without the law. And as many as have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. He begins by addressing the Gentile. Gentiles, listen up. You are under the wrath of God because you have sinned against him. Even though you never had the law to begin with, the Old Testament scriptures. 
And every Jew, you need to listen up. You are under the wrath of God too, and you will be judged by the law that you have been given. Verse 13, for not the hearers of the law are just before God. Paul's gonna explain what he just said in the statement here. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Jews, you don't get a pass on judgment day just because you heard the law from your mom and dad. Big deal. In fact, if you're gonna try to earn heaven, if that's your plan, then you're gonna have to do it by, you're gonna have to do it by doing the law perfectly. You're gonna have to do every single one perfectly. And of course, Paul will make the point later here in this chapter and, and others that no one can actually do that. So Paul, is, he just wants every person, Jew and Gentile, to drop to their knees right now, feel s- such the weight of the wrath of God, and understand, I cannot do this. Drop to their knees and admit, I'm a sinner and in need of a savior. Verse 14, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, they didn't grow up with the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are a law unto themselves. Verse 15, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience, also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. The Gentiles or the Greeks, they didn't grow up having the Old Testament, God's law, but there was another law that they did have that God gave them, and it was an internal law. It was called the conscience, and it was the natural law that was written on their hearts. They knew, everybody knows, the difference between right and wrong. It may be a little different here and there in somebody's heart, and some, but everybody knows. You start to feel on the inside when you've done something you shouldn't do. We just know, and that is what Paul is saying here that you're gonna be judged by your knowledge of good and evil. God will hold you accountable to what you know. In fact, Gentiles, when you don't follow your conscience and feel guilty, you just are giving proof right there that there is a judgment day coming and God is real and God is uh, speaking and that's why your thoughts are either accusing you or they're excusing you. Either they're telling you, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that, and as soon as you do that, It accuses you, you shouldn't have done that. And that's why we feel bad. Or else, you have this moral conscience inside of you that excuses you and says, "Uh, you just did a very good thing. That thing you just did, you helped that person, good job. And you feel that little internal pat on the back, I just did something good. That's your conscience. And God put that in every person. So nobody is without excuse, or nobody is without excuse. Verse 16, in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. The secrets. You know, according to my gospel here means so my gospel teaches. What does Paul's gospel teach? He teaches, as it says here in verse 16, that God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus is the person who will one day sit as judge, Jesus. Yes, the merciful man, Jesus, who healed people and loved people and died for every single person on the planet. That Jesus will someday sit, come and sit as judge. 
And on that day, he, as judge, has to be just, he has to be fair, and he doesn't, he can't care, and he won't care if you bring to him a bunch of outward rituals and, and all your good deeds, and you lay them all out and try to pass that off as good enough. I was always condemning those bad people out there. I was always telling others how bad they were, Jesus. I mean, I, I like your morality. And Jesus, I don't care about that. I do care about morality, obviously. But have, have you humbled yourself and knelt down and said, I am guilty before God. And the only way for me to get into heaven and to have a right relationship with God is through Jesus. That is the only thing that matters at that moment. And he doesn't care about what you knew or what your family taught you. You can't wiggle out of this one. You can't fool God with smoke and mirrors because he already knows everything about you. You can't fool God. He will know whether you truly accepted him as Savior or that my whole life has been a show. I went to church. I did good stuff. I liked what they taught. I really enjoyed all that stuff. Okay, great. Okay, great. But is your life just a show or do you, have you truly knelt down before God, I mean in your heart deeply and said, Jesus, I know I am a sinner and my sins demand a judgment and you are the only one who can save me. I am no better than those people out there. I need a savior just like everybody. And that's what Paul is saying, don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a hypocrite. Trust in Jesus to save you. So here's what we have learned today. Let's go through this quickly and you can fill in your Notes if you have them. We learned how God will judge mankind. He's going to judge us according to truth. And we could say the self-righteous are just as guilty as the unrighteous. The self-righteous are just as guilty as the unrighteous. And then, not only according to truth, but God will judge according to deeds. And listen to this statement. I think it's what we see in this passage it's not what you think, but what you do is the proof of who you are. Not what you think, but what you do is the proof, the actual proof of who you are. And then God will judge according to the gospel, he says. And what is the gospel? Paul's teaching and, his, and the teaching of the word of God is that every secret thing will one day be laid before Jesus the judge. There is nothing in me that I, there's no way I could fool Jesus. There's no way I could fool God. Uh, not, with, not, not with anything that I think I have, not with my family of birth, my family of origin, something special inside of me. I love what somebody said, God doesn't have any grandchildren, only children. You don't get to heaven because your mom and dad were saved. You don't, none of that happens. You and me, every single one of us, no matter where we come from, we need to bow our knee and accept Jesus as our Savior. That's the good news, the gospel. He will save you. But before you know the good news, you have to understand we're desperately living under the bad news. Lord Jesus, we thank you for... We hope you enjoyed listening to the preaching and teaching from God's Word today. You can get more information about our church and about starting a relationship with Jesus Christ at www.thehomechurch.net. From all of us here at The Home Church in Lodi, California, thank you for joining us.